Well, hey, welcome to First Church. In addition to all you guys who are here in person, we have hundreds of people joining us online right now. So if you would, take a moment. Let's put our hands together. Welcome in our online community. So glad you guys are joining us. Glad to see you folks here in person as well. And I'm excited that you're here for week two of our series, Clearing Hurdles. Before I dive into today's message, there's something that I want to remind you about. Here in just a couple weeks, we're going to have our Your Invited series. And I cannot wait because if you've been part of one of these series in the past, you know we throw a party every single week. And we have some special themes for three Sundays in a row starting August the 29th. We're going to have a tailgate Sunday. And this is a time where we're going to have a bunch of football stuff going on because football season is beginning. We want to challenge you to wear your favorite team jersey or team gear. And we're going to have games and activities and some snacks as well as some giveaways. And this is a perfect time to invite somebody to come to church with you. That's why we're calling it You're Invited. If you have a neighbor or a family member or a friend or coworker or teammate or whoever that you have been thinking about inviting to church, now's the time to do it. It's got to be a whole lot of fun. We also have some special guests here going to be here on Tailgate Sunday as well. I won't spoil that just yet, but you're not going to want to miss that day. Then September the 5th, we're having our Labor Day cookout. And I know sometimes people think, oh, Labor Day is a time to skip church. You are not going to want to miss church on this day. You are going to want to make sure that First Church is part of your Labor Day weekend celebration because we're going to have a full-blown cookout and all the food is going to be on us. You don't have to bring anything or do anything. Just show up and after our services, we're going to have hot dogs and hamburgers and all that great stuff. And we're going to have games and prizes. And we're also going to have, I think, like a, a hay maze and some tractors and who knows, a whole bunch of stuff. So it's going to be a fun day, great day to invite friends and family and make sure you're here as well. Make sure First Church is part of your Labor Day celebration. And then September the 12th, we're going to have what we're calling Super Sunday. And we're not going to unveil everything just yet for that day, but we, we will have some superheroes here as well as some princesses for the kids. We want the kids to wear costumes. You got to be a kid to wear a costume, not an adult, but still you can wear a costume and we're going to have some other extra stuff as well. It's going to be a really fun day as we talk about that God is our ultimate hero. I can't wait. So make sure you are inviting people to come to one of these Sundays. And if you're watching online and you're local, make sure you, uh, if you can, make sure you make plans to come out to one of these days as well, because we're going to have a blast. But I'm excited that you guys are here today for week two of our series, Clearing hurdles. Now, I mentioned last week when I launched this series that my kids have been all about the Olympics. I mean, they just loved watching the Olympics. And on Sunday night, last Sunday, when the, they had the closing ceremonies and all that stuff, my kids cried. They were so disappointed that the Olympics were over. And so they've been pretending like they're Olympic athletes and doing different events and sports and all that good stuff. And so this week, as most of you guys know, school started back for the Owasso Public Schools. And before school started back, Allison wanted to take our two little ones out for one more special day, and so she took them to Urban Air in Tulsa, it's like an indoor trampoline park, if you don't know what that is, and they had a blast, but Allison said the entire time they acted like they were Olympic athletes, and so Addie, she's been obsessed with Suni Lee, and so she was doing car wheels and flips and running and all sorts of stuff on those trampolines, and she was acting like that she was her Olympic hero, and Alex, I asked him as well, I was like, hey, what'd you do when you were at the at Urban Air? And he was just like, well, Daddy, I learned how to clear hurdles. And I was just like, clear hurdles at a trampoline park? What are you talking about? This is what he was talking about. Take a look at this. He learned how to clear these hurdles. Now, 
what, what you need to know is this is after he had tried it a few times. He had some practice. This is what it looked like when he first tried to clear these hurdles. And so after I saw that video, I was just like, buddy, did that hurt? And he was like, no, it was awesome. He had a blast. Now, here's the thing. Clearing hurdles at a trampoline park, facing hurdles at a trampoline park may be fun. But facing hurdles in life, they're not always fun. Not always a fun thing to be confronted with, is it? And yet, life is full of hurdles. We all know this. Now, our hurdles may not look like this one I have up on the stage with me. This is a hurdle that you would use in a track and field competition. You might see one of these on TV, or you might see one at our local high school, but our hurdles in life don't necessarily look like this one. No, our hurdles might be things like fear or uncertainty. The hurdles that we may face may be family issues, maybe anxiety, depression. Some of the hurdles that we face may be sickness or unforeseen pain, family issues. Some of the hurdles that we may face may be temptation or maybe consequences from past choices that we've made or past sins that we've committed. I'm not sure what the hurdle you're facing right now or you will face in the future is, but I know we're going to face them. And Jesus tells us this. In fact, in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. In other words, in this world you're going to face obstacles. In this world, you're going to face some pressure and some stress. In this world, you will have trouble. But look at what Jesus goes on to say. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. In other words, Jesus says, there's no hurdle too high for him to overcome. And when you run the race of life with him, he will help you overcome any hurdle that you're confronted with. Now, here's the thing. He doesn't say he's going to take away hurdles. He doesn't say he's going to take away all of our troubles. He says we're going to have them. But as we face them, he will be with us. And what Jesus is basically teaching us here is this. Don't be surprised. Be prepared. Don't be surprised when you face hurdles. Be prepared for them. Because here's the thing. Jesus loves us. And he wants what is best for us. And he wants to coach us and give us strength so that the hurdles that we face in life don't overwhelm us, don't keep us from finishing the race strong. And I think that's why I've loved watching hurdling in the Olympics this past year, or this past Olympics in Tokyo. Because as I've watched these hurdlers, I mean, it's almost like art. You know, it's beautiful to see them just glide over top of those hurdles. I almost make it look easy, but I know that when these Olympic athletes got to Tokyo, that wasn't the first time they'd ever encountered a hurdle. See, they had been practicing and preparing and training and disciplining themselves for years so that they could make it to this moment. And here's the thing, the same is true for our spiritual lives as well. Jesus warns us, trouble, it's coming. Obstacles, they're going to be there. Hurdles are going to be along our path. So instead of panicking when we get there, or freaking out when we get there, or running from them, be prepared for them. Because he's with us, and because he's with us, we can overcome any hurdle we may face. You see, when we learn to listen to Jesus, 
He'll give us the strength and the wisdom to face whatever hurdles come our way. And that's what this series is all about. This series isn't about avoiding hurdles because sometimes you can't avoid them. Is that true? It's not about avoiding hurdles or destroying hurdles. It's about knowing how to face them. Because Jesus teaches us that with him, there's no hurdle that's too high for him to overcome. And that's why Paul writes in the book of 1 Corinthians, he says, I discipline my body like an athlete. He uses this imagery of a race. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. In other words, he says, I know God's for me. I know God's not against me. I know that I have the best coach around, and he wants to see me succeed. He wants to see me finish my race well. And so, therefore, I want to listen to him, and I want to train and discipline my body so that I am prepared as he wants me to be prepared. And I know that if I listen to him, the greatest coach of all time, if I listen to his instructions and his teachings, he will get me ready for whatever obstacle I may have to face Paul says, I don't want to be unprepared in this life because I know at times the race of life is going to be tough. It's going to be difficult. But it's not so difficult that God can't get me through it. And so when Paul uses the language of discipline and training, what he's saying is, what he's saying is regular spiritual discipline shapes our faith for the hurdles we'll face in life. And I just want to ask you, I want to ask you today, are you spiritually in shape? Because no one would expect an athlete who's getting ready to compete in track and field to only prepare for the race the day of the race. No one would expect for an athlete to go out and do well being unprepared for the race, right? But yet sometimes in our spiritual lives, that's exactly how we live. We just think we're going to get by and we don't prepare for the race ahead. And so then when we come to a hurdle... We wonder why we're struggling. But don't take my word for it. If you've ever competed in racing, which I haven't, I have no experience in that whatsoever. I've never tried to uh, clear a hurdle. In fact, somebody asked me just uh, this past Sunday after they saw this hurdle up on stage, they're just like, Chad, we really thought you were going to try to clear it and get over it. There's no way. I would break my neck. I've never tried to clear a hurdle in my entire life. I'm not going to try in front of you people. I mean, that would be nuts. Talk about embarrassing. Maybe with some training, maybe with some coaching, maybe with some help, maybe I could eventually do it. We have to lower it a little bit about right there. But at this point, I'm not even going to dare try this because I know it takes practice, it takes discipline, it takes work to get to that point. But like I said, don't just take my word for it. We sat down this week with a student in our student ministry here at First Church who actually ran hurdles for Owasso. Actually, ran track and field. I'm not sure if he actually did hurdles, but he did track and field, did a long jump, different things. And he talks about being prepared for racing. And take a look at what he had to say. It was my freshman year. I, I just got onto the track team, and they had high expectations for me. And... I decided it was a good idea to drink two uh, Dr. Peppers before I jumped. I jumped okay, but I didn't realize I had a race after. So I lined up and I can feel it in my, it's weighing down and I feel just awful. I ran like the worst 200 of my life. It was so bad and that never happened again. Everything kind of compounds on itself. One action leads to another. When one thing goes wrong, or you do something wrong, there's consequences to those actions. I enjoyed the Dr. Peppers. I thought they were great. 
when I was on the line, I regretted them a lot. So it may seem good at the time, but they may be bad in the future. Running a successful race, it takes a lot of dedication, uh, a huge time commitment. Like you're running in the summer, you're running in the winter, you have a break, a two week break in the winter and a two week break after track season's over. And then the rest is just grind and running high mileage. You, you got to focus on your diet, how much you're how much water you're drinking. A big one is understanding that the coach knows best, so do the workout that's planned. Consistency is a huge thing because if you're not consistent in your running, you're not gonna see any results. Like if you run once a week, you may drop some time on whatever race you're doing, but if you're running every single day and you're doing the workouts that are planned, you're doing the stretching, the cool down, the warm up, you're gonna be leaps and bounds over the person that's just running once a week or something. You can't just show up for race day without putting in any of the work before. I like that last line, especially, yeah. Tate has some fans over here, so that's awesome. But you know, I like that last line. You can't just show up for the race day and be unprepared, you know? Uh, that stood out to me, and also don't drink Dr. Peppers before you try to, you know, run a race. But. He taught us that also. But you know, things do add up. And if you are not preparing yourself for the race ahead, there's going to be consequences to that. But if we learn, spiritually speaking, to lean on God now, if we learn to lean on God now in the present, then we'll know how to trust Him when hurdles come. Because we already will be trusting Him. We'll be learning who He is and that He loves us. We'll be finding our identity in Him. And we know that He is for us. We will know he's for us, that he's not against us. And so if we will learn to trust him now, learn to lean on him now, then we will trust him when hurdles come. And we know that no matter what happens, he will be with us. And I think that there's a great example of this found in the Old Testament in the book of Daniel. So if you have your Bibles or Bible app on your phone or tablet, go ahead and look up with me, Daniel. And we're going to look at a guy who the book was actually named after. His name is Daniel. And Daniel was a guy who faced a lot of hurdles during his life, but he trusted God. And because he trusted God leading up to the hurdles, he was ready to face them every time they came around. Now, for those of you guys who don't know, Daniel was a rising star in the king of Babylon's court. See, Daniel was actually a Jew. He was from the city of Jerusalem. He wasn't from Babylon, but about 600 years prior to the time of Jesus, King Nebuchadnezzar came and he took over the city of Jerusalem. And Nebuchadnezzar was an evil guy. He was kind of crazy. And by the way, you can't spell Nebuchadnezzar without Chad. Just wanted to point that out. So anyway, hopefully I'm not as crazy as he was, but still. It's kind of a crazy dude. But Nebuchadnezzar came in and he took over Jerusalem and basically he made all the Jewish people his slaves. But when he went back to his capital city in Babylon, he took with him some of the best and the brightest Jewish young men because he wanted to retrain them, rewire them to serve him and his court and his kingdom. And one of the best and the brightest young men that Nebuchadnezzar took with him was this guy named Daniel. Now, I'm sure that as soon as some of these Jewish young men got back to Babylon and they were faced with this pagan culture that was immoral and corrupt, I'm, I'm sure some of them were tempted right away to compromise their faith. Because if you didn't obey the king, then guess what? You were put to death. So I'm sure some of these guys were ready to compromise their faith right away just to survive. But that wasn't Daniel. Daniel was a man who 
had a strong relationship with God before he ever got to Babylon. So he might have been taken captive, but he wasn't going to let his soul be taken captive. He knew who his God was. And he knew that God was at the center of his life and nothing in this world was more important to him than his eternal relationship with God because the kingdoms of men one day were going to fall and everything that he saw around him, those things were going to be gone one day. But his hope, his joy, his peace that he had in knowing God, that was going to last for all eternity. So he kept God at the center of his life and when he was tempted to compromise his faith, well, he focused on God. In fact, this little line is recorded about Daniel, and I love this. It says, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself. Daniel determined in his own heart when he went to Babylon. He was not going to defile himself with the practices of this immoral culture that was around him. And what this tells me here is that Daniel was disciplined. Daniel was focused. Daniel was intentional about making sure that he would run his race well, that he would finish strong, that he would lean on God and trust God in everything, even when hurdles came. Daniel was disciplined. And before he ever got to Babylon, he knew that he needed his relationship with God to be strong. And guys, every single day, you and me, we are confronted with hurdles that will challenge us to compromise our faith. And before we ever get to those hurdles, we need to make sure we know who our God is. We need to make sure that our relationship with Him is strong and is healthy, that it's what it needs to be. Students, before you ever go to a party, and maybe I'm speaking to some of you adults as well, before you ever go to a party where you might be tempted to cross some boundaries that God doesn't want you to cross, You need to know who your God is. You need to know what your limits are. You need to know what pleases Him and what doesn't please Him. And you need to be determined in your own heart, I'm going to do what's right in God's eyes. Before you're ever tempted to do something sexually with someone who isn't your spouse, you need to remember who created sexuality. And He created it for our good, but in order for it to be a good thing, you've got to do it His way. You've got to trust him and know that God knows what is best for you. And so before you're ever tempted, before you're ever in that situation where you might compromise, compromise your sexuality, make sure that you know who your God is and you know what he wants for your life. Before you're ever tempted at your place of work to cut corners or cheat, you need to be determined in your own heart that you're going to be a person of integrity person of character, that you're going to live to please God and not just try to get ahead selfishly. You need to know who your God is. When you're tempted to go off on somebody because they cut you off in traffic, you're tempted to give them the number one sign with the wrong finger. Before you ever get to that point that somebody cuts you off and you're faced with that temptation, you need to know who your God is. So that when you're faced with that temptation, you will know, I'm here to represent him. I'm here to love like Jesus. And I'm not going to do anything that's going to embarrass my God. Same thing is true for social media. When somebody sets you off on social media or disagrees with you on social media, before you snap back, before you get all upset, before you go off on them, remember who your God is. Remember who you represent. 
before you buy that house to live in that you can't afford, or before you drive that car that you can't afford, or wear clothes that you can't afford, you need to think about, who am I trying to please? Am I living for an audience of one? Am I living for God? Am I spending my money the way God wants me to? Or am I just trying to keep up with the Joneses and please everybody else around me, or maybe selfishly please myself? Before you ever get to a hurdle, you need to know who your God is. And I'm not saying that we're never going to mess up and we're never going to stumble because we're imperfect people. We're going to mess up and stumble at times. But we are going to make a whole lot less mistakes, fewer mistakes, if we ahead of time are determined to do what God wants us to do. Daniel was determined. He was disciplined. He was focused. And because of that, he was willing to listen to God's voice above all other competing voices around him. And we need to be willing to do the same. We need to determine right now whose voice is really worth listening to. Because there are tons of voices out there who are calling out to us, crying out to us, wanting us to follow them. And we need to determine right now whose voice really matters. Some of you guys may have heard the name before, Lex Gillette. Lex Gillette is a Paralympic athlete, and he's competed in the past four Paralympic Games, and he has won medals in all of those games, and he's phenomenal. He's a long jumper for Team USA, and you might have noticed from this picture, Lex is also blind, and when I first heard about Lex, my thought was, that must be difficult. I mean, how does somebody who's blind do the long jump. But then I started to do some research on him, and he has a system. What he does is he has a friend or a companion, assistant, whatever, that actually walks out Lex's steps with him so he knows how far he has to run before he makes his jump. And then that companion will stand at the line where Lex is supposed to jump, and as Lex takes off, his companion will clap in rhythm and will shout out to Lex, so as Lex gets closer to his companion, he knows the spot where he needs to jump. And I was listening to an interview that Lex gave a while back, and he said, in a stadium full of people, when there's lots of noises and sounds all around you, you've got to know what voice to listen to. And I think there's some spiritual application for us as well in what he just said. Because there are a lot, that's a lot, there's a lot of noise in our world today. There are a lot of voices out there competing for our attention. You guys know this. And in a world that is full of competing voices, in a world that is full of noise, we've got to be listening to the one voice that truly matters. And that's why Jesus says, he says in the Gospel of John, my sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. Because here's the thing, in our world today, the voice of pleasure whispers, please yourself. The voice of riches says, comfort yourself. The voice of pride says, promote yourself. The voice of arrogance shouts, trust yourself. And there are a thousand more voices out there calling out to us, but at the end of your life, your heart will break if you've been listening to any other voice but Jesus's. Because his voice is the only voice that leads us to eternity with our Heavenly Father. Who are you listening to today? You see, Daniel, he was a man who listened to God's voice 
throughout his entire life. And therefore, he was prepared for whatever hurdles came his way. See, Daniel was determined to stay close to God even when everyone else was drifting away because he knew his relationship with God was the most important part of his life. And because he continued to stay close to God and listen to God, he was a man of great integrity and character, and he had a great work ethic. Now, life wasn't always easy for Daniel. He had a lot of stresses, a lot of pressures. He faced a lot of hurdles, but he was still a man of integrity. And after a while, his integrity and his character, his work ethic, it started to stand out. And years later, when Daniel is in his 80s, he's an old man. There's a new king. Nebuchadnezzar isn't king anymore. There's a new king named Darius. And Darius notices Daniel because of his character. And listen to what the Bible says. It says, Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire, he was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. See, Daniel's character stood out to the point that the king of the empire, King Darius, wants to make Daniel basically his prime minister over the entire country. How cool is that? But the other officials in the king's court, they become jealous of Daniel. Daniel's a foreigner. He's not from here. Why is the king putting him in charge of everything. And I know workplace jealousy is a foreign concept to us. That never happens in our day and age today. But it happened in Daniel's day. And so some of the officials in the king's court, they start to plot against Daniel. They want to trip him up. They want to trap him. So as they scheme against him, they say, what can we do to trap Daniel? And I want you to notice what these officials who are plotting against him, what they say. They say, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. In other words, he's, he has such great character, such great integrity. He has such a great work ethic that we'll never find anything to accuse him of unless we ask him to go against his faith. Is that your reputation? I hope it's mine. But that was Daniel's reputation. Could someone say about you or say about me? We can't find any fault in him. There's no way that we could trip her up unless it has to do with their faith. Unless we can somehow get them to try to compromise our faith or put their faith up against the standards of this world, that's the only way that we could possibly trip them up because when it comes to their integrity and their character and their work ethic... They're great examples for the rest of us. That was Daniel's reputation, and so they attack his faith. And this is what they do. These other officials, they play on the king's arrogance. They go to the king, and they say, Oh, King Darius, you're so great and wonderful. Why don't you issue a decree that says for the next 30 days, nobody can pray to any god except you? Because in this day and age, the king was considered like God in flesh. And so they said, Why don't, we, why don't you issue a decree that says nobody can pray to any god, any man but you for the next 30 days? This will test everybody's loyalty. And King Darius says, Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, let's do that. And so he issues this decree, and here's the thing. These other officials who are scheming against Daniel, they know Daniel prays three times every single day. He doesn't hide the fact that he prays to his God. So they're going to see what Daniel is going to do. So Daniel hears that this decree has gone out, and here's the thing. There's a punishment attached to this decree. 
If you do pray to any god other than the king himself, then guess what? You're going to get thrown into a lion's den. So Daniel gets wind of this. He gets word of this new law, this new decree that has been issued. And do you know what Daniel does? I'll tell you what he doesn't do. He doesn't publicly protest and pull out picket signs. He doesn't put together a petition and ask a bunch of people to sign it. He doesn't get online on social media and blast his enemies and those who oppose him. You know what Daniel does? The Bible says he did what he always did. Take a look. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room. With its windows open toward Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. I love that. What did Daniel do as he faced a hurdle? What he always did. What he had been training for. What he had been practicing over and over again for. He did what he always did. He turned to his God because here's the thing. He knew that his God could be trusted. And no matter what happened, his God was in control. His God was the king of kings. It was greater than King Darius. And he knew no matter what happened, he did not want to do anything that would compromise his relationship with the one true living and eternal God. So Daniel, when he's faced with a hurdle, he did what he'd been doing all along. He went and he leaned on his God. And I want you to notice what he prayed when he went to God. Did you catch this? He prayed giving thanks to his God. And let me ask you, what does Daniel have to be thankful for? I mean, do you see what he's facing? A lion's den. If he keeps praying to God, then he's going to get thrown into a lion's den. And if we were in his situation, we might be tempted to pray, God, why'd you put me in this spot? God, why am I here? I mean, I've been doing what's right. I'm a man of integrity and character and hard work ethic. I mean... I've been doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. Why did you allow for me to be put in this spot, this situation? But that's not what Daniel prays. No, Daniel gives thanks to his God. Why? Because God's love was enough for him. No matter what this world took from him, they could not take his eternal joy, hope, peace that he had in God. And all those things, he didn't personally deserve, and he knew that. He knew that he didn't deserve eternity with his heavenly Father. He knew he didn't deserve anything that God ever gave him. He knew he didn't deserve this relationship with the one who created the cosmos. And so Daniel, he's still thankful for what he has because they can take his life away, but they cannot take away his hope. They cannot take away the eternal relationship he has with his Father. Because for Daniel, his relationship with God was enough. And everything else one day would be gone, but his God would remain. The kingdoms of men would fall, but the kingdom of God would last forever. So Daniel, in this moment, he trusts God. Decades of spiritual discipline had shaped a faith that could not be shaken when life became difficult. And as I read about Daniel's response here, it reminds me of three of Daniel's friends. You may have heard of them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were also some of the best and the brightest from Jerusalem who were taken as captives to Babylon. 
And what's interesting, what interesting, what is interesting is that at one point, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were also asked to compromise their faith. The king asked them to bow down to a false god. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no, they weren't going to do it. So they were thrown into a fiery furnace. But before they were thrown into the fiery furnace, the king asked, are you sure you want to do this for your god? And listen to what they say. Listen to their response. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods. In other words, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they say, our God is greater than you, O king. He is all-powerful, and we know he has the power, he has the ability to rescue us from this hurdle. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow down to your, your God, because your God's a phony. Your God's fake. We serve the living God, and we trust him. You see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like Daniel, they didn't just trust God's power. They trusted God's heart. They knew God knew what was best for them. And so even if they had to die in the fiery furnace, and Daniel, even if he had to die in the lion's den, they were willing to go in it because here's the thing. They knew it's what was best according to God's plan. And just like over time, children who have loving parents learn that when their parents tell them no or tell them to do certain things, that the parents are just doing that because they love their kids they're not telling them no because these parents are trying to rob their kids of fun. They're telling them no because they want to protect them and they know what's best for them in the end. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, they knew their father knew what was best for them. So even if they weren't delivered from this very moment, they knew they had more life ahead of them than behind them with their God. They trusted his plan. And we're asked to do the same today. I can't tell you how many times... I and the elders of this church and some of the staff of this church, we have prayed with people in our church who have been suffering because of health issues or family issues or job issues or whatever, and we've prayed with people, and as we pray, we always say, God, we know you have the power to remove this situation that the person's in, but even if you don't in this moment, we trust you and we love you because we know that you know what's best for us. And so... Daniel, he gets into the lion's den. And what's interesting is King Darius doesn't want Daniel to go in the lion's den because he likes Daniel. Daniel's a great leader. He wants Daniel to be part of his court. And so King Darius, the next morning, rushes back to see if Daniel's okay. And it says in Scripture that not a scratch was found on Daniel for he had trusted in his God. How cool is that? Now, we sometimes focus on the fact that Daniel got out of the lion's den untouched. But for me, what's even more impressive is that Daniel was willing to get in the lion's den. And the reason why he was willing to get in is because he trusted in his God. And here's the thing, because he trusted in his God, and God used this hurdle that he was facing, the entire nation ends up hearing about God. King Darius, he issues a new decree after this, and he's so impressed with Daniel's God that listen to what the king says. The king issues this new decree, and he says, I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and he will endure forever. The entire empire, the entire nation hears about Daniel's God, is introduced to the one true living God. Why? All because Daniel was prepared to face a hurdle with faith. And don't we want that for our nation as well? 
Don't we want our nation, our nation, our entire nation to be introduced to the one true and living God? And sometimes we're waiting for like something big to happen. Like we need this big movement to happen or we need just the right people to be elected into offices or we need these certain laws to be passed. We need all this big stuff to happen and then everybody will be introduced to our God. And I'm not saying any of those things are bad if they were to happen. But I'll tell you where it starts. It starts with God's people getting prepared to face hurdles. Because when we go through life and we encounter hurdles differently than everyone else, People notice, we stand out, and people want what we have in our God. See, regular spiritual discipline shapes our faith for, faith for the hurdles we'll face in life. Some of you guys may remember this. Some of you guys probably weren't even born yet, but in the year 1990, there was a cargo ship in the Pacific Ocean that went down, and it was carrying Nike tennis shoes. And about 61,000 Nike tennis shoes went into the Pacific Ocean. And people thought they were lost forever. But over time, these shoes started to wash up on the shore. What's fascinating about this is that as people started to collect them, because you couldn't really, you know, wear them anymore, but still, they were collector's items then. But as people started to collect them, what they discovered is, is that the majority of the right-footed shoes ended up in British Columbia, Canada, and the majority of the left-footed shoes ended up in Portland, Oregon, and south of there. And when I first heard that, I thought, that can't be right. You know, that's one of those urban legends or something like that. And I looked it up, and I found, like, an article from L.A. Times that says that's true. The majority of the right-footed shoes ended up in one destination, and the majority of the left-footed shoes ended up in another destination. And you know what this teaches us? Shape determines direction. Shape determines direction. And direction determines destination. See, all of us right now, physically speaking, we're in some sort of shape. May not be the shape that we want, but we're in some sort of shape, right? And the same is true for our spiritual lives. And if you're not letting God shape you into who He wants you to be, you're going to end up in a destination where you don't want to be. But if you're allowing God to shape your life now, right now, then you'll end up where you need to be. And you'll be prepared for whatever comes along your way in life. If you want to end up where God wants you to be, then you need to let him start shaping your life today. God is for us. He wants us to finish the race of life strong. But in order to do that, we've got to be listening to him. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for this time. We've had to open up your word and study it. And may we be Followers of yours who, like Daniel, are prepared for the path ahead. It's not that we're never going to stumble. It's not that life is going to be easy. But we know that no matter what we face, you'll be with us. And you will help us through it. So, Father, may we trust and rely on your strength today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.